Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to our podcast. My name is Daniel. My wife, Megan, and I are the location pastors here at Destiny Church, Nuremberg Region. We know that today's message will bless and encourage you because the Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. If you want to connect in with us, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media, or visit our website at destinychurch.de. Let's get into the Word. Today I'm continuing a series that we started called Brick by Brick. Somebody say Brick by Brick. We started um, talking about the church and not just the Destiny Church, not just Destiny Church, but the Global C Church, Capital C Church, the Church of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we can, um, in our heads, we can say, oh, that's, that's you know, Destiny Church, or we can think the building is the church, but we need to get a perspective that we are the church. We are the church. First of all, you need to know, if you didn't know who you are, you're the church. <laughs> this gathering, you in this room, is the church. The building is not the church. The geographical location, um, Fort Cineplex is not the church. Um, a Sunday morning service, an event in time is not the church, but the gathered believers are the church. So whether you gather, coffee shop, your house, um, in this room, we are the church, and it's his church. It's not our church, it's his church. We are his. He's, uh, we are the bride of Christ, as the Bible describes it. Um, we are in an intimate relationship with Jesus. This is the language that the Bible uses. It's his church, and also we talked week one and built on this foundation. He builds his church. He builds his church. And I'm a, listen, I'm a pastor, and some of you may, you don't think like this all the time, but I tend to, I tend to go down this train of thought. I sometimes like to build the church. I get all these ideas, and I'm sitting in my home office. Anybody like stuck in your home office still? You're like, I just, you're comfortable there. Me, I just go into, you know, dreamland. I just go other places. And I'm thinking, oh, how we could do this, we could do that. And I'm thinking about how I could build the church. But I need to come back to a place, and we need to come back to a place that recognizes and remembers that Jesus builds his church. And he builds it upon the foundation of himself. Because the Bible says he is the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone on which we build ourselves, and we are living stones. So we are built upon Jesus, the church, our giftings, our talents, um, what he's deposited in us, the plans, the purposes for your life that are meant to um, not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. All those things locked up inside of you, built upon Jesus, is how he builds his church. Amen? And we've been talking about being built up we've been talking about jesus building the church we've been talking about these different things and today we're going to land in ephesians i love ephesians because last so last week we were in nehemiah nehemiah is a great old testament book about building it's about building because nehemiah built the walls back in jerusalem and he did it in like 52 days and it was a powerful moment where people collectively came together and said, we're going to build back. And we said things like, you need a burden to build. What has God dropped in your heart? What is that burden inside of your heart? First of all, you all have a ministry. 
It's not the pastor's job. It's not the, it's not the church staff's job to do the work of the ministry. In fact, Ephesians 4 says, we're going to read just right after this moment. You'll hear it today as I read. But Ephesians 4 says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Saints are believers. Anybody who believes in Jesus is the saint and you're meant to be equipped for the work of the ministry. You didn't know you were in the ministry, did you? But you're in the ministry, whether you like it or not. You have a ministry. The question is, are you doing that ministry? And maybe the question is for you, what is that ministry? What has God called you to do? And that doesn't mean, that's not a pastor's ploy to say, hey, come play the keyboard on Sunday mornings or hey, come welcome people at the door or come set up and tear down or make something for Thanksgiving, which would be really awesome that you do because I'm sure it's delicious. But that's, that, that question is what has God called you to? Is it in your workplace? Is it in your neighborhood? Is it in some? Is it in something that hasn't even been started yet, and it seems insurmountable to you? But you just need to get started, one brick at a time. We said last week, lay another brick. And so we need to be brick layers. We need to be people that are be, uh, built building the God's kingdom one brick at a time. But all in this, God is building us. Say, say this with me. God's still working on me. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me read the word of God. Ephesians chapter 4. It says this. I'm starting in verse 11. And he gave the apostles. This is the verse I just referenced. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You see, we're being built up until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Somebody say this with me. Grow up. I know you've been wanting to, so turn to your neighbor, tell him to grow up. <clears throat> we had a, when I was about 18, 19 years old, I got a motorcycle. I've still been trying to talk Megan, my wife, if you haven't met her yet, you can pray uh, with me and intercede. I've been trying to talk her into allowing me to get a motorcycle. I know, I know, some of you disapprove. But it's like, I had a motorcycle, and now I'm thinking, man, I should have never got rid of it. But man, I, was, I would go to bike nights. I was, I was like the cool dude, you know? And I was, go, I was going to bike nights, and I, this like specific group of guys that I, that I rolled with, that sounds really cool, right? I rolled with, ride till you die, you know? Or ride or die, whatever it is, not till you die. Um, Megan's like, see, I told you. Um, <laughs> The whole reason me and my roommate got a motorcycle was this friend of ours that we worked with. We were 19. He was about 35 years old. Now, he, this guy who is 35, whom shall not be named, in case by some crazy reason he watches 
the, uh, the live stream. Um, he, he was, he's one of these guys at 35 that all his friends were 19. You know, he's one of these guys. Like, he's one of these guys who never really in his heart grew up. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen these movies where you've got like this 50-year-old guy still wearing their sports jacket and they're wearing it and, it's, and it doesn't button up because they've got a beer belly? You know what I'm talking about? And they're still talking about the glory days. They're still talking about, oh man, when, we, when I was in school, we were the champions, you know? You know, have you ever seen Mighty Ducks? That was us, you know, we were the champions. Have you ever seen Sandlot? Yeah, that was us. We were the champions. And they're talking about, this was this guy. He was, he was always like, he was like the leader, you know, rolling around with 18 or 19-year-olds. I don't know how that actually, there were some things that were probably very illegal, um, you know, that, that happened because of his influence in our life. I think I might have a tattoo because of his influence in my life. And he was one of these guys who was always like, dude, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, just, it's just awkward being around a 35-year-old that's acting like a 19-year-old, you know? And if I'm guilty of that sometimes, then I'm sorry. But listen, it's one of those things like you're like, dude, just, just grow up. Like we're 19-year-olds counseling this guy in his relationships. You know what I'm talking about? Like he's like, man, I don't know if she likes me. I'm like, bro, just calm down. You know, you got to play hard to get. Play, don't text her. You got to play hard to get. You got to be mean. You, you got to say a couple mean things in a text message, make her think that you don't like her, you know, and then you got to play hard to get. That Listen, guys, if you're single, don't take that advice. But I'm just, that's the advice I gave him. And he's like taking advice from 19-year-olds. Like at some point, it's time to grow up. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're older on the outside, but, but, but you haven't grown up on, on the inside. Now, don't get this mixed up with what God says to have childlike faith because that's different. It's good to dream and have faith like a child. But there's something different called maturity in the spirit. There's something different that when we grow in God, we're growing mature in him. And you can be 80 years old but still be spiritually immature. Somebody say grow up. I want to give you, out of Ephesians, three signs of spiritual maturity. Three signs of spiritual maturity. Number one is this, intentionally uninfluenced. You're intentionally uninfluenced. It says, it says in Ephesians, to not, no longer be like children tossed to and fro by the world's doctrines. We have a church, I'm afraid, in our world that is always trying to be so relevant that the danger is they conform to the culture. I'm not saying we shouldn't be relevant. I'm not saying that we should be so locked in tradition, but we should be so kingdom culture-minded that we are intentionally uninfluenced by the world around us. If you're not careful, if you just live in default mode, culture will always take you in its direction. The language that it uses here, talking about tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. You see, the, the culture around us and the doctrine of the world is like, is like waves, constantly pushing. 
And if you're not intentional, you will get pushed by culture. You will get pushed into a, a direction, into a way of thinking. I used to surf. I, I wasn't good, but I used to surf. And I remember when, when you're paddling out into the waves, you have to do this thing called a duck dive. And when you're going straight for the waves, the wave is coming at you because you want to get past the break so you can actually catch a wave. And you hit a duck dive, and what you're doing is you're going under the waves. You're, you're moving in the opposite direction of the current, and you're trying to... It's, it's the hardest part about surfing is just getting out there because everything's pushing you back, and you do a duck dive under the waves. And sometimes we're, we're, we're Christians, and we're just being tossed around by the shore, by the waves of culture around us. And then everybody else sees you and like, well, you're no different than I am. Why should I be a Christian? Because you're not any different. If, if maybe in the room today, you're not a believer, you don't, you're not a Christian, you wouldn't call yourself that. Maybe, may, maybe you've walked in here curious. Maybe watching online, you're curious. Can I just apologize for us when we've been tossed around by culture and we don't look any different than anybody else around us? That's not what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to be different. He calls us to have conviction. Intentionally uninfluenced. Not changing your opinion because it's the popular thing to do. I, I mean, I could go down the list today, but I think you already have the list in mind when I say these things. Not changing your opinion just because the, it's the popular thing. It's the, it's the way everybody's doing. Everybody's thinking. Not being moved by emotion, but conviction. Not being moved by, oh, I feel this way, so I should do this. Your feelings are God-given, but they were never meant to direct your life. You need to be moved by conviction. What, is, what are you convicted about? What are you convicted about? What has God convicted you about? What are the things that, are, uh, that should be unshakable, unchanging in your heart? Not to be moved by my emotion. Will you, will you carry that conviction or will you be carried by culture? Will you carry around a conviction that when everybody in your circle of influence is saying one thing, you have a deep conviction to say, no, this is a truth for me because I found it in God's word or because God spoke it to me and it's a conviction that I carry and I'm not going to be carried by culture just because everyone else is thinking this way. I'm not going to be moved by fear, but I'm going to be moved by faith. Faith is stepping out in what God has called me to or the conviction despite what I feel. It doesn't mean you're not meant to have feelings. It's, it means you're meant to have faith in spite of the feelings. Feelings are healthy. Feelings are good, but not if they're the Lord of your life. Not if they're the Lord. Don't be deceived. Sometimes, we, we talked about it last week, don't give in to what's good, giving up what's great. God has called you to a great work. Nehemiah said, I'm not coming down. I'm doing a great work. I'm called to a great work. And so many of us do 25 things that are good and we miss out on the thing God has for us that's great. What is God convicting us of? What is he doing in our hearts? 
We're called to be kingdom culture carriers, not culturally relevant. Can I just tell you, maybe if we thought about it differently, see the gospel is relevant in every generation. Jesus is, so many times the church, I'm so guilty of this, let me try to make Jesus relevant. The gospel's relevant in every generation. The gospel's relevant in every culture. Methods change, but the gospel's relevant in every culture, in every land, in every season, in every generation. This is the story of Daniel in Babylon. Daniel, who had these convictions, he was intentionally uninfluenced when everyone else was bowing down. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these guys were not bowing down to what everyone else was doing, to what culture was doing. It is difficult when everybody's going a direction to go the other way. It's difficult to stand when everybody else is sitting. It's difficult to stand up for what you're convicted about. But we see this in the book of Daniel. We see Daniel. that When culture says, when everything around said, don't pray to your God. You're meant to worship the king. You're meant to worship our idol. And Daniel says, you know what? I know what you're saying. I know it's the law. I know I'll go to a lion's den, but I've got a conviction. And I'm just going to do the same thing I've been doing before. Listen, you don't get your convictions by default. You get your convictions because you've been doing it before. Your conviction to pray doesn't come in, the, in, in a time of trouble. Your conviction to pray comes when you've been praying, when you've been believing, when you've been having faith, when you've been, when you've been doing the right thing at work, and when you're confronted to do the wrong thing, that's when it comes. Because you've already been doing that thing. You've already had that conviction. You've already been living that way. Intentionally uninfluenced. Number two is integrity. Integrity. It's an internal maturity. It's an internal unwavering to say, I'm going to have an integrity. I'm the same here as I am here. I'm the same when nobody else is looking as I am when I'm at work. I'm going to be the same here as I am there. I'm going to have an integrity. If I say that the building and the structure has an integrity to it, it means it's not being moved. It's not being shaken. But it's not the outside. It's not the beauty of the building that gives it its integrity. It's the inside that gives it the integrity. What do you look like on the inside? What is your conviction on the inside? I need an integrity if I'm going to be mature. These are signs of spiritual maturity as an integrity. Listen, I can know all the cool verses to say. I can come up here and preach a message, but I can still be spiritually immature on the inside. I, could, I can say, I know all the things to say to cover up, my insecurity on the inside. But the danger is, is that when eventually the, what's inside is revealed to the outside, then people are like, what happened to this guy? I thought he was a Christian. I thought he was a good believer. I thought he was strong. No, no, no. I, just, I was just good at making you think that. I need an integrity on the inside. You see, I think as we get older, we're really good at covering up the insecurities. The older we get. But with maturity, you have integrity. With, insurity, with maturity, you have integrity that grows. What's on the inside determines the maturity. 
Jesus even, even spoke to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who had more scripture memorized than you could probably ever try in your lifetime. They had the whole first five books of the Bible memorized, Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus looked at them and said this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. These were the teachers of the law. These were the guys who had it together. They followed the law. And Jesus said, no, 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 you're whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside. You're whitewashed. Looks really nice. It would actually be a nice aesthetic today. You know what I'm talking about, that whitewash? You look really good on the outside. But on the inside, you're dead. You stink. It reeks because uh, you're, you're just dead on the inside. You have no integrity. You may have an external discipline based on religion. You see, that's what religion does. Religion, listen to me, religion fixes you up on the outside. Relationship with Jesus changes you from the inside out. Don't be confused with a relationship with Jesus and religion. Religion will make you look good. Say all the right things. But on the inside is what Jesus deals with, the heart. That's why Ephesians says, speak the truth in love. Why does he say, speak the truth in love? Speak the truth in love. Because what you speak is what's on the inside of you. I'll say it this way like a, like, a, like, a, like a preacher. Speaking is leaking. Speaking is leaking. Eventually what you say reveals what's in your heart. Like you can fake it for a while, but eventually what you speak is really what's in your heart. If you're speaking lack of faith, if you're speaking fear, that's just revealing what's in your heart. Luke 6, 46 says the good person, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of his heart his mouth speaks speaking is leaking what you say is what's going on in here speak the truth in love this is a sign listen this is a sign of a spiritually mature person if you just begin to have conversations about the climate today um, what's going on in politics what's happening in our world you start having conversations with people you can begin to gauge the spiritual maturity because of what comes out of their mouth my question to myself and my question to us in the room and online today is what is coming out of our mouth because it gauges what's in our heart What's coming out of your mouth? Some of you, some of us need people around us. We all need people around us to say, hey, grow up. <laughs> you're not speaking faith. I know, I know what you're feeling, but you're not speaking faith because that's not in your heart. I can't expect someone, and you can't expect me to speak faith and to speak encouragement and to speak love if that's not in my heart. I shouldn't expect that. Because it's not in me. Integrity. Number three. And worship team, you can, you can come. Number three. In love. Sign of maturity. 
I am in love. I'm not talking about I'm in love. I'm not talking about that. I'm in love. I'm not talking about Nicholas Sparks books or films. But I am, watch, I'm in love. It says, it says let me just go back to Ephesians. The whole body is joined and held up together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love, in love. And before that, it talks about this, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. When you are growing spiritually mature, you're growing into Christ. You're growing into him who is the head of the church, who is the head of the body. We're growing into him. I'm growing into love. The Bible says God is love. I don't know what the world told you today. Love is love. No, God is love. God is love. The Bible says he is love. And when I grow into him, I'm growing into love. Are you with me? follow me I'm growing into him I'm growing into him that's why when when the disciples looked at the Ten Commandments and out of the Ten Commandments all 663 600 and something laws that the Israelites the Jewish people made out of the Ten Commandments all these laws and rules now to follow and the disciples said to Jesus it's a lot to do Jesus that's why I became a fisherman it's a lot can you just tell me like what's the priority anybody in here like that like you're in the meeting you're in the meeting at work come on get some oddies some seamless people you're like you're like just tell me the priority you know like get to the point stop stop what's the priority the time is like what's the priority jesus what's the most important out of these we'll work on those first jesus said and one and one of the scribes came to him and heard them disputing which with one another and seeing that he answered them well asked him which commandment is the most important of all Jesus answered the most important is hero Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one and you shall love somebody say love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength the second one is this you shall love your neighbor somebody say love it, as yourself, there is no other commandment greater than these. A, a sign of somebody spiritually mature is somebody who loves God with all their heart. You're growing in love to Him. And as you grow in love with God, and you're, and you're crafted in and you're stepping into Christ, you're growing in love to your neighbor. If you're gossiping about the person behind their back, that's not a great sign that there's spiritual maturity and that a great sign that you're growing in love. We all make mistakes. Listen. But if I'm, if I'm constantly bad-mouthing, if I'm constantly doing something to harm my neighbor or not taking care of the people around me, loving people, then it's a sign that I'm not spiritually mature and I need to grow in my spiritual maturity. I need to love. Listen, it's hard to love people. You're some of them and I love you. It's hard to love me, I know. It's hard to love the people around you. It's hard to love you. But 
it's a sign of spiritual maturity that I'm growing in love. But I do that as I step into Christ. When you operate in unity, when you're about unity, it's a sign of spiritual maturity. Unity, love, working together. This is what it says. It's when each part is working properly, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When each part is operating in its gifting, when you're operating in your gifting, you're operating in your gifting, you're operating in your gifting, when we're all operating in what God has called us to operate in, and we're in unity. The body of Christ is so divided today. That's why the enemy's plan is just to, if I could just divide the body of Christ, the enemy would say, if I could just divide them, then they can't operate in their fullness. Because it's the unity of the body of Christ. Can you, it's like, it's like my, my, my two-year-old now. It's his birthday today. It's like my two-year-old. At, when they're kids, they're not very coordinated. They look really awkward. And sometimes the body of Christ looks really awkward. Because they're not coordinated. We're not, we're not coordinated. We're not operating in unity. And the enemy would love to keep us in our immaturity as the body of Christ. But when we're working together, even though you made me mad yesterday, even though you did something that hurt me, I'm going to fight for unity. I'm going to fight for love. I'm going to fight for the body of Christ. Church people aren't perfect. Maybe some of you have been hurt by church. Maybe some of you have been hurt by people in the church. That's why Jesus said you need to forgive seven times 77 a day. Because he knows the power of unity. Can you stand to your feet with me? We're in him. We're in him. We're stepping into us. Listen, if you, just need a, if you just need a practical thing today, something really practical, like what's my next step? The more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you'll love people. And the more he'll begin to deal with your integrity and the more he'll make you rock solid so you're not influenced by culture. When I'm in Christ, as Ephesians says, when I step into him, there's, there's pictures of this, stepping into Christ. That's what salvation is. I'm stepping into him. Noah and the ark, they stepped into the ark. The ark is an Old Testament picture of Jesus stepping into Jesus for salvation. Rahab, when the walls of Jericho fell down, as long as she stayed in the house. I'm stepping into Christ. Oh, that's a, that's a, Rahab's a good example because when everything, the walls of Jericho shaking, everything was falling apart. All Rahab and the family had to do wasn't hold on tight. It was stay inside. When culture's shaking, when everything's shaking and falling apart around us, all I got to do is stay in Christ. My integrity is there. My un I'm un in uninfluenced by what's shaking around me. I'm in love there. Can you close your eyes with me today and we're going to close. Maybe today you've never stepped into love. Maybe your perspective of Christianity has been relig religion and religiosity. Maybe you've never stepped into that. And it's a, it's a growing process like any kind of love. But maybe you've never stepped into that place of, I, I need you, Jesus. Be the Lord of my life. I'm stepping into a relationship with you. 
as I said during worship, we want to give you that opportunity today. All eyes closed. I want to pray for you if you want to make a decision to step into love today. Maybe for the first time or maybe you're coming back. Maybe you stepped out of that relationship and you're coming back to him. Nobody's looking around. I just want to know who I'm praying for. If you could lift a hand in the air and say, that's me. I want to step back into love or maybe for the first time today. Online even. I want to know who I'm praying for today. Yeah, I see those. I'm going to pray in just a moment. Father, right now we just thank you that you are love. We step into a relationship with you. Can everybody just pray this with me? And for those of you who lifted your hand, pray this in your heart. Believe this. This is a moment that you're going to mark right now. Say this with me. Jesus, thank you that you died so that I could have abundant life. You are the Lord of my life. I step into love today. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just pray for everyone today and then let's worship one last time before Mike comes and closes. Father, I thank you that you, have, you are building us up. You're still working on us. That's good news. I'm not perfect and nobody else is. You're still working on us. Help us to never become complacent with where we're at in our relationship with you, but you're still working on us. You're still moving in us. You're still doing something in our hearts. And we thank you for that today. Build us up as you build the church up. Build us up in love. Build us up in expectation for what you're doing. Come on, let's declare today we're here to worship. We're here to worship you.